0: So we've been talking about the Glorious Church. In particular, we've been talking about the revelation gifts of the Spirit, and we started last week with the Word of Knowledge and the Word of Wisdom. And so this week, we'll kind of pick it up where we left off, and I'd like to finish off Word of Knowledge and Word of Wisdom and then get into the discerning of spirits to concentrate on and to sort of dissect in detail. Amen? We'll start off with our our Scripture, our foundational Scripture in Romans 3.23 in the New King James Version. Paul says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we've been talking for weeks about this, how that the Lord spoke to me years ago. I was reading that scripture and the Lord said, you know, so many people read that scripture and they concentrate on the sin for all have sinned. But it says for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the Lord told me one day, he said, that verse has more to do with the glory of God than it does to do with the sin. And so he opened up the word to me and I found out that if you look in the original language, the original Greek, you'll find out that one of the meanings for the phrase, the glory of God is the concept of the viewpoint or the expectation of God or the way he sees things, you might call it his perspective. So falling short of the glory of God is more than just missing it every once in a while. It's more than falling into sin from time to time. It's actually failing to rise to the glory that God intended for your life. Failing to become the person that God called you to become so that you do the thing God called you to do and reach the people God called you to reach. Amen? So it's important that we rise to the glory, leave the sin behind, and rise to the glory of God and determine that as an individual, you're going to be a member of the glorious church. We need to do that individually and we need to do it collectively as a church. We need to rise to the glory that God intended really before the universe was created, before time itself existed. I just love saying that because it sounds so cool. Amen. Glory to God. Paul declares in Ephesians 5.27 that Jesus is coming for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle, a holy church without blemish, a church that has yet to arise. But it's time to arise as the glorious church. And I have determined that here at Faith Life Fellowship, we're going to take our place in the glorious church. We're going to be who God called us to be. And we're going to have the impact in this community that God called us to have. Amen. Hallelujah. No turning back. We're going to do it. Amen. We're going to let our light shine just like Brother Jim talked about there in the scriptures. Amen. Glory to God. Romans 8 verse 18 and 19. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. There's that word again. Paul is looking ahead. He's going through some tough times, but he's looking ahead and he's saying one day there's a glory that's going to arise on the church. Amen. This is that day. Amen. This is that day. Verse 19 says, For the earnest expectation or anticipation of the creature or the creation waiteth for the manifestation or the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. Amen. Literally, the Bible says that the earth itself is aching for the manifestation of the sons of God and the daughters of God. To rise up and be the glorious church that God called them to be, amen? The whole planet is shaking and quaking, waiting for that moment. And I don't want to disappoint the planet, amen? So there's four things we have to do to become the glorious church. And we talked about this. Number one, we must walk in the authority that Jesus delegated to the church. We spent some time on that. Number two, we must walk in the power that Jesus has given to the church. We spent some time on that. And number three, we must walk in the gifts of the Holy Spirit that demonstrate to the world that God is real. That's where we're at right now in this series. And then number four, we're going to cap it off with we must walk in the love that has been so lavishly poured out upon us. Amen. None of this works without love. Your faith will not work without love. The gifts of the Spirit will not work without love. Nothing works unless love is your primary motivation. Notice when you're reading through the first letter of Corinthians. Now, we broke it up into chapters. He didn't write it that way. The Apostle Paul wrote it as one letter. But if you're thinking in terms of chapters, there's three chapters, chapter 12, chapter 13, and chapter 14, dedicated to the gifts of the Spirit. And right smack in the middle of 12 and 14, which talk about the gifts, is the love of God. And I think it's a metaphor Uh, That says that love has to be at the center of everything you do or it will not work. You must love the way Jesus loved. Amen. So we're going to continue to discuss number three. We must walk in the gifts of the Holy Spirit that demonstrate to the world that God is real. The gifts of the Spirit are for the church, but I think they're primarily for the world. There's people out there that are desperate to hear a word from God. Desperate to realize that God is real. He's alive. He can do things on your behalf. He loves you. He loves you so much he gave Jesus to the world as a perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world. People need to hear that. There are people out there that you have contact with that are desperate for a word from God. And the gifts of the Spirit are the perfect vehicle Allow yourself to be used by God to speak the word of the Lord to people who need to hear that word. Amen. Hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse one, Paul says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. In other words, he wants you to be schooled and knowledgeable in the gifts of the spirit. How can you learn to walk in the gifts of the spirit if you don't understand what they are? Amen. So, verse 7 through 11 is a fairly lengthy passage here, but it lists all nine gifts of the Spirit. So, let's read it here. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. That means it's for the common good. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another, faith by the same Spirit, to another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one in the self same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. So basically the scriptures saying, I don't want you to be ignorant about the gifts of the spirit. Here are the nine gifts. They come from the same Holy Ghost and they are distributed by the Holy Ghost as he wills, not as you will. And I I share this admonition All the time, and you've heard it more than once. Don't try and manufacture a gift of the Spirit. If you do, you will fall on your face. Amen? Allow yourself to be used by the Holy Spirit and let the gifts flow. It's much easier to do that. Just let them bubble up. Amen? Stay in the Spirit and flowing in the gifts is really, really easy. Amen? Especially if you pray in the Holy Ghost a lot, if you pray in tongues. It is the doorway into the other gifts of the Spirit. If you want to be used in the gifts of the spirit, spend some time praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen. So many able teachers and I'm following suit here have categorized the gifts into three categories so that we can better understand them. They're categorized by characteristic and function vocal or inspirational gifts tongues, interpretation of tongues and prophecy called vocal or inspirational gifts for this reason. They involve speaking and they involve the edification of the body. Then there's revelation gifts, word of wisdom, word of knowledge and discerning of spirits called revelation gifts because something is revealed to you by the spirit of God that you had no other way of knowing except it be imparted to you by the spirit and then power gifts, gifts of healing, Gifts of faith and working of miracles. They're called power gifts because they involve the release of God's power. Amen. Hallelujah. So last week we started looking at the revelation gifts and we talked about the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. This week uh, I'd like to recap that discussion with a few more examples from the scripture and personal examples of how word of knowledge and word of wisdom operate. All right. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 12 verse 8. This is where you find word of knowledge and word of wisdom. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. All right, so word of knowledge is past or present tense knowledge of some place, something, or someone, okay? Past or present tense. Word of wisdom is future knowledge. The word there, wisdom, is the Greek word Sophia. I like to think about it like this. Some people say, well, how do you know that word of knowledge is past, present, tense, and word of wisdom is future. Here's the way I look at it. Word of knowledge, knowledge there is the word gnosis in the Greek. It just means general knowledge, things that are known in science, in morality, in life, things that are known. But wisdom is the application of knowledge. That implies future. You can also validate it in the scriptures. There's a scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, which I used when I taught this in the Bible school back there at Word of Life School of Ministry in Shreveport. This was the scripture I always went to as my proof text that word of wisdom is future. First of all, that word Sophia, that's translated there in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8, Sophia, wisdom. It's also found here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8. But we speak the wisdom, same word, Sophia of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified The Lord of glory. Now, obviously, this passage is talking about a hidden wisdom that had been withheld from mankind for centuries but was revealed to the Apostle Paul. That is the mystery of the church and the mystery that Jesus would one day come and pay the price for all of mankind. Amen? So, if you use this as a supporting text and the fact that Sophia is the same word used in both for wisdom, it's fair to say that a word of wisdom is knowledge of future events of a person, place, or thing that have to do with the plan and purposes of God for the individual and for the church. Amen? Praise God. Personal example. No, wait a minute. I'm going to start with a scriptural example. John chapter 1, verse 43 through 51. This is awesome. I love this. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee, and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, come and see Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him behold an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile Nathanael saith unto him whence knowest thou me Jesus answered and said unto him before that Philip calleth thee when thou wast under the fig tree I saw thee that's so cool You know, this is word of knowledge manifested through a vision that Jesus evidently had. And he saw Nathanael sitting under the fig tree before he came to meet him. He said, I saw you. You were sitting under the fig tree. And listen to his reaction. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the son of God. Thou art the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree. Believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Amen. Glory to God. Jesus is basically saying, Son, if you think that was something, you haven't seen anything yet. All I did was see you under the fig tree. There's coming a day in the very near future where you personally are going to see the angels of God ascending and descending upon Jesus, the Son of God, because they're here to help me do what I've been called to do on planet Earth. Amen. That's talking about a portal. You'll see heaven opened, angels ascending and descending upon Jesus is what he said. We had that happen in this church. Back in March, my son-in-law came here from Bethel Church in Redding, California with my daughter Marcy. He was sitting right there on the same row and Alan and Emma are sitting. And he said he had an open vision during praise and worship and he saw the ceiling open up. He saw through the stars all the way up to the throne of God and he saw as we were worshiping God in the spirit, he saw angels released and they came down through that portal and they poured into this sanctuary by the thousands. He said the praises went up. And the angels came down. The praises went up and the angels came down. I remember seeing him. He was just kind of immobilized, you know. Other people said he was weeping. I just saw that he sort of was out of it. And I found out later he came up to me and said, I had an open vision and I saw the angels of God flooding this place. Amen. Glory to God. Whoo, glory. Amen. Amen. Makes me want to run. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now. Wisdom, the word of wisdom there was manifested through future knowledge of the plans and purposes of God. He just knew. I don't think he had a vision. I just think he knew because he was sent and he knew it was coming. And he just said, this is coming. You can count on it. Verily, verily. Anytime Jesus says, verily, verily, that would be us saying truly, truly, without a doubt. Twice. He said it. This is important. It's going to happen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let me give you a personal example Now, remember, we talked about how that word of knowledge and word of wisdom can come in many forms. Uh, They might come through an audible voice, a dream, a vision, a mental impression, through a tongue and interpretation, or just an inner knowing about something. And here's a perfect example. Trish and I, this would be about 2014. 2014. We were heading the Bible school there at Word of Life uh, School of Ministry in Shreveport, and we were going to Word of Life Center, the church. And uh, that Sunday morning, we uh, actually came to the lobby of the church just to sort of fellowship for a few minutes before service began. And we saw a young lady that we were very familiar with. Our family and her family were very good friends. Her name was Alina Verbois. Now, Alina had gone to the Hillsong Bible School for three years, and we sort of lost track of her, and then she came to New York for a year to help Hillsong plant a church in New York, and then she came here back to Shreveport. And this particular day, she was at the church, and we didn't know any of this, but she had arranged to move from New York to Shreveport and had a place to stay all sewed up and all organized, and everything was supposedly ready to go, and she got here, and the day she got here, the rug was just pulled out from under some reason. uh, They weren't able to offer the room. This family wasn't able to offer this place to stay to Alina. And she had until Sunday night to find a place to live or she was going to be on the street. So Trisha and I walk into the lobby and both of us had this feeling in our spirit that Alina was in trouble and needed help. We both got that as we walked in, we spotted her mind you, we had not seen her for years. And so Trish beat me to the punch. Somebody grabbed me to talk to me about something, and she made it to Alina before I did. And she said, Alina, do you need a place to live? And Alina just burst into tears and said, yes, I have until today to find a place to live. I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, guess what the end of that story is? She lived with us for about a year and a half until another family was able to take her in because we were moving to Wilmington. Amen. That's simple word of knowledge. We knew in our spirit something wasn't right. And I think if I had beaten her to Alina, I would have gotten the same thing. But she just happened to get there before I did. And as soon as she got in front of her, she said, do you need a place to live? And of course, she said yes. While crying profusely, it was wonderful. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right. So that's sort of a recap of word of knowledge and word of wisdom. I want to get into discerning of spirits. I don't want anybody to get weirded out. Okay. But this is something that needs to be discussed. Discerning of spirits is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. It says, To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits. Amen? Discerning of spirits is the supernatural ability to see into the spirit realm. The word translated as discerning means discerning, distinguishing, or judging. In the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, the primary definition of discern is to detect with the eyes. So you kind of put those concepts together, and this gift allows you to see into the spirit realm and discern whether a spirit is good or evil. Now, this has happened to me many times. But first, before I share personal examples, I want to share an Old Testament and a New Testament example. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15. A little bit of background. Remember last week when we talked about how that Elisha, the prophet through word of knowledge, was able to predict where the Syrian army was going to be at any time in any place. And the king of Israel was able to outfox the king of Syria because of that. Well, the rest of the story is the king of Syria got so irate and so mad. He, when he found out it was Elisha, he said, where is this guy? And they said he is in the city of Dothan. He and his Uh, servant were in the city of Dothan so the Syrian army goes to Dothan and surrounds and besieges Dothan and we pick it up here in verse 15 and when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth behold an host compassed the city both with horses and chariots and his servant said unto him alas my master how shall we do we would say it like this what are we going to (laughs) do And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Whoo, Glory! Hallelujah, the next time you feel like the world is closing in on you, just stand up and say, They that be with me are more than they that be with them. Amen, hallelujah. Glory to God. I might not see them, but they're here nevertheless. Glory to God. And then a real quick New Testament example. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. This is the apostle John and his great revelation of Jesus Christ in chapter 20, verse 11. He said, and I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. Now, there's a couple of things I want you to see here. God is a spirit. Amen. He is a spirit, but he's not a blob. He's not a spirit blob just floating around. He has a humanoid form. And John saw his humanoid form sitting on a throne and described him and said, I saw his face. I saw him sitting on the throne, a great white throne. Amen. It's a perfect segue for a personal example. On March 20th, 2005 in Shreveport, Louisiana, I had a very unusual encounter. It was about two o'clock in the morning. I was laying in the bed and I didn't realize it, but I was praying in tongues in my sleep the only reason I knew that that was going on, my wife told me later, is it woke her up and she listened to everything. And as I'm praying in the Holy Ghost in my sleep, I have a dream. And in the dream, I got caught up before a great white throne. And I saw the Father God sitting on a great white throne, just like in Revelation 20, verse 11. I saw his feet his shins his thighs his midsection right up to about his chest and then from chest up was nothing but smoke I couldn't see his face and as I'm praying in the spirit all of a sudden I began to prophesy to myself it was like I was offering up worship to the Lord in tongues and he was giving me a prophetic word straight from the throne that had to do with my current situation and he said this He said, today I say unto you, I will be true to the word that I spoke over you. I will fulfill the promise that I made unto you. I will not abandon you. I will be true to my word. Now, the reason that means so much to me that on March 20th, 2005, everything was going great for me. Ministry wise, professionally, I was still flying uh, for the Air Force Reserve. I was moving up the chain of command. I was destined for squadron leadership. Everything was going great. I was the head or about to be the head of the Bible school at Word of Life School of Ministry. Amen. It seemed like all things were clicking, all cylinders. And then the Lord said, I will not abandon you. I remember I got up and I said, Lord, well, first of all, let me tell you the rest of the story. Trish woke me up after she heard me prophesy to myself. And she said, Baby, you you got to wake up and you got to write that down. But I remember questioning the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't, I don't feel abandoned. Everything's going great. This is in March. In May, literally, professionally, the bottom dropped out for me. It was like all the favor that I had had before just all of a sudden disappeared. And it was like I went from being groomed for leadership to who's this guy? And it was a tremendous time that I had to work my way through. And this word from the Lord preserved me and helped me see it through. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So this was obviously discerning of spirits. I was able to see into the spirit realm. I saw the great white throne and I saw the Father God sitting on the great white throne. Another one, and I need to share this because discerning of spirits is not discerning of devils. If all you're seeing is devils you might need deliverance because if you're operating in discerning of spirits, you will see both good and evil spirits. Amen? And I remember this was in Minden, Louisiana. We were going to Live In Word Worship Center. This was about 1989. I had just left active duty Marines, and I had just entered graduate school, and we had just plugged into a really fine local church there in Minden, Louisiana. We lived in a little log cabin in the outskirts of town with nothing but woods as far as the eye could see behind us. and It was just kind of in a remote area. One night, everything happens to me at 2 o'clock in the morning. As I said before, I told the Lord, I am available at other times of the day, you know, but the Lord reminded me that when you're still and you're quiet and you're asleep, your soul is resting and all the affairs of your life have drifted from your consciousness and that's when you can hear best from the Lord, at least me. So I'm sitting there about two o'clock in the morning. All of a sudden I open my eyes. Now my wife is to my right, I'm to the left and we have two windows at the back of the bedroom and through the left window, I saw an angel fly into the bedroom. I mean, and I'm talking about classic textbook angel. He was clothed in white. He was clothed in light. He had beautiful wings, and he was just a good-looking angel. He was about eight or nine feet tall. He flew into the window, and he walked up to the bedside, and he said, I'm here to take you on a journey. And he took his hands, and he reached into my body and All I can say is he grabbed my spirit and he said, come with me. And he started and he pulled me about, I don't know, just a little bit out of my body. It was very weird. He pulled me out of my body and all of a sudden there was a check in my spirit. This guy's not of God. And I turned to him and I put my finger in his face. I said, look, I'm not going anywhere with you. You're not from God. And he slammed me back into my body. Boom. And he said, well, all right, then. And flew out the window. Now. If I didn't know the word. And if I didn't listen to the Holy Ghost. I could have been deceived. You know I asked the Lord. Later I said what was all that about. That's freaky. For years. For years. Only just the last couple of years. Have I shared this in public. Because it was just so startling. The Lord said. Have you ever heard of the term. Astral projection. I said well yeah. He said the Aborigines call it soul travel where they actually by demonic spirits they exit their body and they travel around and they're able to hear people their conversations tell what people are doing thousands of miles away he said that was what that guy was wanting you to do and it would harm you greatly in the spirit I'm like thank you God now how did I know that this was not of God I don't know it was a word of knowledge I just knew he was not of God. Now I was operating in discerning of spirits because I saw him, but it reminded me of the scripture that said, even Satan himself disguises himself as an angel of light. So my warning to you is listen, be real careful when you enter into this realm, you know, because if you don't know the word and if you're not listening carefully to the Holy spirit, you can be deceived. So be careful. Okay. Be careful. One more example. I don't want to leave off with the angel of light, the darkness. I want to leave on a good note. So in uh, March, it was uh, March 13th, the morning of March 13th, 2014, right about the time that the Lord was dealing with us about coming to Wilmington to pastor, I was laying in the bed one morning at about dawn. I looked to the bedroom door. It was to, to our right, and the bedroom door swung open. And in walked Jesus. Now you say, how do you know it was Jesus? I'm telling you, I just knew it was him. He walked in, he stood at the foot of the bed, and he talked to me. And he said, you're about to enter a new season in your marriage. Your marriage is going to be tested. Because of what's ahead of you in ministry, your marriage is going to be tested. And he said, he was very serious. I'll never forget it. He said, there is nothing more precious that you possess on this planet than your marriage. You need to fight for it. You need to preserve it. You need to fight for your marriage because it is worth preserving. And he said that there was a season coming. There's a lot of changes coming to our life. And if we weren't careful that that season of change would drive a wedge between us. And then he walked out, and I woke up. Now, I had had a vision of Jesus 29 years earlier, in April of 1985, and I won't share that or today. But I just want to illustrate the fact that these kind of things don't happen to me on a day-to-day basis. These experiences have been separated by years. Like I said, 29 years since the last time I saw Jesus. And so the point is, sometimes by a gift of the Spirit, The Lord will allow you to see into that spirit realm. You got to be armed with the word and you got to know the Holy Ghost voice so that you are not deceived. Try and test every spirit. Make sure it's God. Amen. And also, I would encourage you, if you have an experience like this, to say, Lord, give me a confirming scripture in the Bible that I can latch hold of and know that this is what you sent me. And every time I've done that, he's given me a word from the Bible, usually more than one scripture, to show me that it was legitimate. Amen? I encourage you to do the same thing. Glory to God. Discerning of spirits. Hallelujah. And again, I have to say this. The first time I shared with people that you know, I had a vision of Jesus back in the 80s, I was young in the Lord, and I blabbed it to everybody. I cast my pearl before swine. And people started talking about me. I was flying for the Marines at the time, you know, and one of my fellow Marine pilots just started spreading words about how I was goofy and seeing spirits and stuff like that. So I had to rein it back and realize that there's a particular audience that can hear these things. And there's some people that can't. Amen. Glory to God. Just because you see Jesus doesn't mean you're a Superstar. Superman of faith in fact after I saw Jesus the first time I made the biggest blunder and worst wrong turn in life and ministry of my life so just because you've seen Jesus doesn't mean you're going to live la-di-da and everything's going to be perfect the rest of your life you have to live your everyday life by the inward witness by the still small voice by these non-spectacular means because you can't count on a dream or a vision or an audible voice you've got to learn to just live day by day by the word and by the spirit and if these kind of things happen to you then let them happen but i caution you not to pursue them it says earnestly desire spiritual gifts okay it does say that but don't pursue i want to see angels i want to see you know Devils. I want to see all that. Now, listen, the enemy can hear that and he can accommodate you with some sort of deceptive vision, okay? So I would say all the other gifts of the Spirit earnestly seek. This one, earnestly, cautiously seek, okay? Otherwise, you can get yourself messed up. Everybody understand? All right, glory to God. Thank you